gonna, good morning. We're going to be looking back in Mark this morning in a moment. I want to say to you that everybody, we hope, has that little piece of paper, and we want to make sure you're invited. Next Sunday, we'll be meeting at the BFW inside for worship. The Sunday school will be out in the shelter house, and then immediately following, we're going to have a burgers and dogs and those fixings, and we'd love to have you come. I, I want everybody to see each other face again and see how we worship together and do that. It'll be a group, we'll set, we'll space ourselves in there. There's plenty of room we can space out. Hope you all feel safe doing that. I, I hope that you do. I'll be preaching in the middle, just kind of, um, be no microphone, but it's just a room and we can just, I want people to comment. And uh, we're going to have a little different message next week. Things that we've seen the last year and a half or two and how, how we think the Lord directs in that. But I'd love you to come. I wish you would come. I want people to see each other. And there are some people who have never even been in here, I think, uh, that you might know. And if you're not someone who wanders the parking lot, you might not even know they come. But I appreciate everyone that comes. I'm so grateful for the attendance here. Uh, you're a pretty tough group. I preach it as uh, the Bible says at the best I know how. That's between me and God, but that you're the recipient of that. And I'm, I'm grateful that you, you continue to come and to listen. It's my privilege and my joy, but it's also sometimes tough to hear. But that's what the Bible is. It's called conviction. It's called conviction. So next Sunday, we're going to do that. We're going to meet for one hour from 10.30 to 11.30, one service. Uh, then we're going to walk. I don't know, 100 yards or whatever it is over to the shelter. The uh, coals will be prepared and we'll begin making lunch of hamburgers and hot dogs and all the fixings. Church will provide. We're going to have tea and water and pops and those things for you. Individually, individual stuff and, and uh, so forth. So we hope you feel safe and comfortable there. But I promise it'll be a good time. It is a good time for Christians to fellowship around Christ. If you know someone who doesn't particularly, uh, you have a spouse or someone not particularly concerned about coming to church but would like to come and be part of that, welcome them wholeheartedly. Just let them come and enjoy. It's a good meal. It's a good time. You don't have to be part of the church or, or commit to coming ever again, but we'd love to have it. And uh, so many of you come and your spouses are not here sometimes, but they're more than welcome and we just would love to see them. And so please come. We think it would be a great time. We began this morning. Uh, we began this morning in Mark chapter 15. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 15 is where we are going through now. The Gospel of Mark. We've had several uh, side trails because it's explained uh, more fully and in depth in other parts of scriptures as well. But we come to the to the time now of the crucifixion. We come to the time of the judgment of Christ and the crucifixion. And I want you to see this with me this morning. We just, we just uh, are going to get one verse in Mark 14 and again be several other places. And I want you to begin with me in prayer, if you would. Our Father, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for this time that we can meet around your word and, and hear from you and pray that we do hear from you. Father, we pray this morning the Holy Spirit would teach us and speak to us and, and uh, that we would have our hearts fully attentive to your word, that we would listen with a spiritual ear, 
that your Holy Spirit would drive deep into our soul and our mind and our hearts and our spirits the truths of the Word of God. Your Word says every word is pure and we believe that and we thank you for that. Help us to understand it and then give us the strength and the courage to appropriate it to our lives. And Father, we just pray that we might be a light to some dark place, some dark soul that you give us opportunity and strength and understanding to encourage someone, somewhere, to follow you. And so, Father, that's our simple prayer. We ask now you would be with us this hour and teach us. Give us understanding, we pray. Give us light. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Mark, the beginning of 15 and 1 of Mark, it says, in straight ways, of course, Mark is that, Mark is that, gospel of urgency moving right along it's a hasty moving along gospel so straightway it says in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate straightway now this is after what we talked about last week the, the Peter denial Peter's denial and Judas' betrayal and all of them fled. Everyone fled, but the Old Testament said they would. And Jesus said, tonight you all shall flee from me. But when he asked and said this, uh, one of you shall betray me, read your Bible, every one of them said, Lord, is it I? And then finally Judas said, is it I? And the Lord said, yes it is. You said that and it's true. And what you do now, do quickly. What you do, do quickly. And he did. He went and sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. The price of an ox with a gore hole in it. A gourd ox. The price of a gourd ox is what he sold Christ for. And I brought you a little different message about Judas, and I believe it. I don't expect you to, but I, I, I think that Ju Judas was quite surprised when Jesus was actually uh, bound. I think that he would, the Bible says he saw that he was taken away in it shook him and made him want to confess to the traitors that he had betrayed innocent blood. And they said, so what? What difference does that make? And he went out and hanged himself. I think Judas really believed that he'd make some money and the Lord would have to be pushed into coming out as the king. Of, but that's what, that's what deception is. That's my opinion. But straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now we go back because of that statement to uh, the 26th of Matthew, Matthew 26, and we read these words. 26 and 1 of Matthew, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed and crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people who unto the palace of the high priest it's called Caiaphas. And they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But, that, but they said not on the feast day lest there be an uproar among the people. I do not title sermons often 
This one is entitled Religion 101. Religion 101. It's a very simple message this morning. I think, I think if you don't get this message, you're not listening. It's a very simple message, and here's what the message is. There is religion in the world, and there is relationship in Christ. There is religion, and there is relationship the Bible does not call you and me or anyone else to a religious life or to be religious. These holy scriptures of Christ call us to a personal relationship. Salvation doesn't mean you're, you're being good now and you're going to heaven by your merit. Quite the opposite, actually. It means because you're no good, because there is no good thing in your flesh or mine is the truth of of what the Bible teaches, we depend on and we go to heaven and we uh, attain salvation by the goodness of Christ, the sinless one. Not only the sinless one, the one willing and able and very ready to save us through his merit, through his works. This is a lesson in religion 101. Do you see with me? Now before we move on, do you see with me? They consulted it and they might take Jesus and suddenly kill him. But listen, but not on Passover. That's a holy day. Do you see it with me? We don't want our hands dirty on the Passover. We want to be able to have the Passover, celebrate the Passover. Do you see the hypocrisy and the ignorance and the ugliness of religion? I'm talking about man's religion. Paul says, if you read it, Paul says, I was saved from the Jews' religion into the relationship of Christ. Now, folks, I hope you read your Bible often, and I hope you read some things in there. And one of the things I think that's really good to understand is, and it's more to me all the time, Paul was given a different message. The Apostle Paul was given a different message. It didn't, it didn't conflict with what the, the other apostles taught. It added to it. Paul said, I have been given the mysteries of the kingdom, the mysteries of the ages, and there are seven. And Paul said, I am the apostle chosen, one born out of due time. He wasn't with the original twelve. Judas died. He hung himself. And so what did, what did the other apostles do? They cast lots and they chose someone else. And the Bible says and they chose him. And so last you hear of it, God had a different plan. He said, no, fellas, I got an apostle. I got, I got a plan. His name was Saul. And they said, oh, not Saul. His business is killing Christians. And it was. And Paul said, I was saved out of the Jews' religion into this relationship with Christ. One born out of due time. Um, an apostle to the Gentiles. And I'm telling you, I, I am so grateful for the Apostle Paul. I am so grateful. But this is religion. Jesus said, before this, in a recording of the uh, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and he said, I'm going to tell you people something. He was talking to his disciples. But we can believe it with our lives as well as the church today. He said this. There will be when they come to kill you thinking they're doing God's service. There will be those people and those days when they come to kill you for being a Christian. For standing for God's truth. For saying I will not. 
And the world says, you shall. And we say, we will not. Because the scripture says, you shall not. And he said, they will kill you, take you before the council, before magistrates. They shall kill you, believing they're doing God's service. It's called deception. That's what Satan does. And people today, this will get me a long way, I'm telling you. Wherever this is going, I don't know, but I get feedback. I'll tell you this. That's what's wrong with the church today. It's full of religion. That gets me shocked. But it's true. What's wrong with the church today is it's full of religion. People trying to act good and be good and they have these facades of it. See, they're killing, they're killing the Passover himself. They're wanting to destroy him, not understanding the feast that they are so careful not to dirty themselves and not be able to be part of. They want to be ceremonial, clean. And so even when they take him to Pilate, it's a charade. It's a facade. It's, it's an ugly scheme, that a religious ugly scheme. They take him before Pilate, and they will not cross the threshold. They shove him in with Pilate. And then Pilate brings him back out. And you read in one of the Gospels, I don't have it in front of me, you read in one of the Gospels, they wouldn't cross the threshold. They would defile them to be in a Gentile court on Passover. How religious were they? Weren't they something? Weren't they something? They're so religious and pious. Can I tell you this? Here's the word God uses, if you like it or not, about religion. It makes him puke. He says that religious false piety, that religious facade that you all have. Read Isaiah chapter 1 very carefully. He said, who asked you to come here? Who asked you to tread my courts? What are your feet doing in my church? Oh, you keep the Sabbaths and the holy days and the full moons and you keep all the superstitious things, but you don't love me. He says, come now, let us reason together. What's he want to reason about? You're religious, but you're not redeemed. You're full of religion, but you have no salvation. Oh, be careful now. You'll run the crowd off. That's not something to make you mad. It's something to make you glad. If you're born again this morning, aren't you glad that God showed you in your youth, in your younger years, somewhere yesterday, God showed you this is the plan. You want to come to heaven? I want you to come to heaven. But son, you're not good enough. You're not clean enough. You don't understand it right. The Bible says there's not one who understands. There's not one who understands. I confess this morning I don't understand. I get a little bit of this book and I give you the best I get. I give you the best I get. But I don't understand it all. When a friend of mine brought to me this, that John 1 and 1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and that word, word is this, in the beginning was the plan. Doesn't that change the whole book? Didn't Christ come to the cross and say, the plan has been completed, has been carried out? In the beginning was the plan, and the plan was from God, and the plan was with God. God sent his son down here as the plan. Got a plan for you. Got a plan. Boy, I've seen some architect's drawings that are pretty, pretty detailed. I've seen some schematics and some blueprints in my life that are pretty detailed. And I've seen some sketched out on toilet paper. But I've seen some, I've seen some schematics, and I look at it and I wonder, 
But the Lord said, you know, I have a plan for mankind. And by the way, the plan is my son. And Christ hung on that ugly, nasty cross. And the last thing he said was, the plan's finished. I finished the plan. I finished the work you gave me to do. I finished the plan. The plan was he would come here and offer himself for the redemption of mankind, even to the fact and the point where they would kill him for being loved in the flesh, because we can't stand that for some reason. We can't stand goodness from someone else. If it's not from us, we're jealous, and we have to destroy the plan. It says in John 18 and 28 this, then led they Jesus to Caiaphas and to the Hall of Judgment. It's called the Praetorium in the Bible, the Praetorium. And it was early, and listen now, listen, and they themselves went not into the praetorium or the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Oh, weren't they something? Weren't they something? Aren't you enamored with people who wear the best suits in town, who drive the fanciest cars, who live in the biggest house? Aren't you, aren't you, aren't you just impressed with that kind of silliness? Don't you like those people who walk down and make some great big ceremony out of preaching the word of God and all the pomp and all the gold and all the robes and all? Aren't you impressed with all that? Isn't that something? Can I tell you now, the priesthood around us is not the priesthood of the Bible. It was a Levitical line. Can I tell you that when Christ died, you now are the priest of God? When Christ gave his life and when he said to his father in front of the whole world as he hung his head, he said this, the plan is completed. Not everyone who believes in my name through whatever source, through me or through my disciples and through their disciples, and down it goes. Read the, read the 17th of John. He said, now you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Read it in 1 Peter. You're, you, you're a priest of God. If you're a Christian today, you're a priest of God. You know what the work of a priest is supposed to do? Carry the, carry the issues of the people to the throne of God. A prophet brings God to the people. A priest brings the people to God. And he said this, you, my friend, are not a prophet. You may be. But surely you're this. You're a priest. You're from the royal priesthood. A chosen generation. You know what you're to do? You're to have a list in your pocket and in your head, and, and you're to carry this. And when someone says, my brother-in-law, he's, he's got stage 4 cancer, you say, I'm going to pray for him. And here's the kicker. Do it. I've got to tell you and confess you this morning that I've said I've prayed for people and I've forgotten. Have you done that? And I mean it when I say it. Here's what I've learned to do. While we're talking, I take it to the throne to make sure I don't default on my promise. As soon as they leave my presence, I say, Lord, that brother-in-law forgot his name, but you know it. I might call him by name on a good day, but most of the time I say this. They said their brother-in-law is dying when I pray. I said a word, and I'm praying now. Royal priesthood. Folks, that's, that's quite a gift from God. Is I'm giving you the privilege of speaking on behalf of those to the throne of God. Where Christ himself sits beside God the Father and others things we don't even know how to say. We don't know how to approach the Father. That's what the millennium's about. A thousand years of, to get schooled on that. But he says this, you don't know the language up here. That's what it says. 
we don't know what to utter before the throne of God. I'm laying on my back and tears running down my face and I'm crying to, to God and I'm praying, oh God. And sometimes when it's the worst in my life, all I can say is, oh God. Oh God. God. Do you know that Jesus that saved me, that loved me, that knows me, is speaking to the Father, saying, here's his heart. And apparently there's a language there that we don't speak. You talk about guttural language, that's us. You talk about nasty verbiage and, and uh, words that are just nasty and raw. That's us. And we have people who would come to this altar or altars around the world. And I say, well, brother, would you close us in prayer? And they, they give this flowery, this thing, lofty stuff. It's, you know what God hears? Oh. Okay, you read some books. I believe this with all my heart. A man or woman who stands up to be heard for their experience and their intellect and all of that, God would rather hear a little child say, Lord, thank you for the candy bar. Thank you for Grandma getting better. Lord, thank you for my new shoes, my little dress, the boy. God would rather hear that. The Bible says it over and over than to hear some man or some woman get up and try to impress them with, with their verbiage. You think, well, why do you preach in such a simple message with so little words? That's for your benefit. I don't know any words, but I know a big God. I know a big God. And you know what he says? Whosoever cometh to me, all in no wise cast him out. You know the kicker of that? You've got to come to him. Raw. Honest. Deliberately. He doesn't use the words that the world uses, by the way. When I was a kid, things were spoken of just right out in the open. Now we have little things that... What used to be a bad choice is now an illness. Isn't that right? Come on, you grew up with me. What used to be a bad choice is now an illness. A bad choice and a man destroying his family through a bad choice is now this. He's not well. Not his fault. A woman who forgets her own address and doesn't come to her home every night, that's, a, that's an illness now instead of a bad choice. Or, you know what, it comes down to this one word sin. There's not much of that in the world anymore, honestly. Can't bring that up. Well, we've been through this a number of times, but the 12th chapter, if you'll study it, you'll find it is the institution of the Passover. This is what these people were wanting to. Now, now listen. The reason they wanted to, to do this thing so quickly, make haste to get the Lord killed, because they couldn't do it on the Passover. That's why they met against the law, against their own law. They met in the nighttime. They had a council in the nighttime. That was against the law. That was against their own law. Read it and see. And they had to hurry up. So they hurried up and took him over to Pilate. And Pilate said, I got nothing against him. And he took him over here. Back and forth, and back, it all had to be done before morning because if it didn't happen before the Passover, there would be a feast of four days and five days, and they might forget about it and might not get done. We had to hurry and kill him, get that done quickly. <clears throat> People might see our stratagem here, they might see that we're lying, they might see that we're trumped up these charges, and let's do it quickly, 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 quickly. Most things done in haste are, are satanic. 
Most things done in haste. Not all of them. Your child's in the street and his car coming, you need to act in haste. I want you to turn for just a moment to the 12th of Exodus. And I'll show you what the priests were wanting to celebrate. <coughs> Exodus chapter 2, second book of the Bible. This is the institution of Passover. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male. Of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep, out from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take up the blood and strike on the two side posts and the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat it not, uh, eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus ye shall eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through this land of Egypt this night. And I will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And verse 14, in this way, it is a memorial, it is an ordinance forever. What is the Passover? It's a picture. It's a type an ordinance. The Lord said to keep it. You see what it says in the first and the beginning of months? In the beginning of months, in the tenth day of that month, it's April. If you look it up, it's April. It's the beginning of the months. It's a, it's a new beginning. When you come to Jesus Christ, He doesn't fix up the old you. He's not interested in you. 
he's interested in the, in the new you. He's not interested in a patched up, fixed up you with your plans, your ideas, and, and frankly, your DNA as you've been using it. And so it's a new beginning when you come to Christ. This lamb comes. It says in verse 3, every man a lamb shall take every man a lamb. It's a personal salvation that he offers. It says if the household in verse 4 be too little for the lamb, the sufficiency of Christ, your sins. And many people have said this to me through the years. I would come to Christ, but you don't know what I've done. <clears throat> Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what he's done. He paid for whatever it is you've done. You believe that this morning? The sufficiency of Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't offer a verse that says, if the lamb be too little for the house. It's never true. He said, if the house would be too little for the lamb. And it is, by the way. You know what you're supposed to do with it? Share it. You know what I found out? I got saved as a child. I started reading my Bible as a young adult with, with earnest intent to study the Bible. And I found out day after day after day after day, morning by morning, my house is too little for this lamb. Praise God. The lamb is too big for my house. I've got to give a lot of it away. I've got to give this away. Nobody's house is big enough for this lamb, by the way. Nobody. He says it's a lamb will be without blemish. You find that to be true of this Christ? There's no spot in him for condemnation. They got him up before the magistrates in the praetorium. They had all their wise men, quote unquote wise men, and quote again scholars. They had them come against Christ and say, now give reason, give witness, give testimony to the reason we're killing this man. And they couldn't find two witnesses that would agree because they were lies. There's no blemish in him. He stood before them naked to the whole world and said, what is it you're accusing me of? There's not many men to stand in the court of law and ask the congregation, ask the, the jury what you accuse me of. And Jesus said, what are you accusing me of? What have I done? Tell me what I've done. And all of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You see that? All of Israel shall kill him in the evening. He came into his own, and his own received him not. You go back in the Minor Prophets, and there's one verse that says this. One of these days, one of these days, the house of Israel is going to come to the Lord and say this. What are those holes in your hands? What are those holes in your hands? You know what Jesus answers? Those are the things I suffered in the house of my friends. Moses. Your house isn't too big for the lamb. He said, Israel shall kill him in the evening. And you strike the blood of the lamb on the side post of the door on the top, and it makes a bloody cross. And here's what the Bible says. Get behind that bloody cross. You get behind there to safety. And when the Lord comes through the land, and the Spirit of God judges all the other gods he says this, you'll be safe behind the blood. He says, I want you to eat it not raw or not sodden with water. 
Don't you dare water this message down. Don't you tell your grandma that doesn't believe the gospel she's fine because she's a nice person. <coughs> Don't you tell them you believe in something, they'll get you there. Oh, as long as you believe something, you're going to go to heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and grandma's going to die shortly. She's grandma, by the way. Her days are short. You know some old person that don't accept Jesus Christ? Let them go to hell by being nice to them? That's satanic in its belief system. It's evil and dark. You can be rejected all you want, but you can't let them go without telling them the truth and be what the Bible says a Christian. Can't do it. Can't do it. Don't you water that gospel down. Don't you boil that meat in the water. Don't you sodden this thing down. And nothing will remain in the morning. And if there's anything left over of that stuff, you, the bones and the guts and the though you burn them with fire, you leave nothing behind. Salvation is instant and it is complete. It's the Lord's Passover. He is it all passed through when I see the blood. That's what they were. That's what these priests wanted to be able. They wanted to be sure they were able to have this feast. They they couldn't be defiled and become ceremonial and clean because. Folks, I'm so sick of religious people, honestly. When I was a young man, I was reading the Bible, and the Lord said, that makes me want to puke. He says in Revelation to the, to the Laodicean church, because you think these things, you think you're all of that, and you don't know how backward that is. You're blind, and you're poor, you're naked, you're destitute. He said this, I'm going to spew you out of my nostrils. Now, I don't know if you've ever been sick, sick, but when you're, you're sick when you're throwing up through your nose hole. Now, that's sick. And you leave had a stupid night before that. Sometimes it's bad chicken, but usually it's a bad choice. So I'm going to tell you this. When you're, when you're vomiting through your nostrils, you're sick. The Lord said, you make me so sick. I'm going to spew you through my nostrils. What is he saying that about? You religious people. You people who think you have it all. And you got nothing. And you're so ignorant. And you're so blind. And you're so destitute of the truth. Because you never came to me. You went to church. And you heard these people saying. Or this man and this woman. And these people saying this. Just because you come here you're fine. Just because you come here you're fine. That's the biggest lie. You believe that people sit in these pews and out in the parking lot and over here in the grass and hanging in the trees. You believe this about just because you're around here this morning don't mean you're going to heaven. Do you know when Joshua passed the Jordan? You know when they waited and God said, wait now and camp on this side? And when they went through the Jordan River, speaking of the new beginnings, do you know it was the tenth day of the first month, and what they did on the other side was celebrate Passover because they had passed over into the promised land. Into the promised land. Well, it wasn't a picture of heaven now, be careful. They had to take it by force, but it was given to them by God, and He said, When you go to take it, I'll do the battle. We're not left, we don't leave this world when we get saved. But the Lord says this if you'll trust me, I'll do the battle. It's going to get hot from time to time. You're going to have to make some choices from time to time. It'll look very scary if you're going to follow me. But he said, know this, I will do the battle. And what David said to Goliath, this is the Lord's battle. 
How dare you come out here, you big old ugly. You're ugly. You're big and you're ugly, but I'm not afraid of you because this is the Lord's battle. Satan sent a bear one day and I killed the bear. He sent a lion one day and I killed the lion. And this guy is no different. How dare you talk that way about God? He said he's just a boy. He wasn't just a boy. He was a boy with God's favor. He was a boy with God's promise. And oh, he took that giant down, didn't he? You know why that story is so wonderful? Because it's rare. Very rare. Very rare. It was even rare in his family. He was different than his brothers by a long shot. He believed something they didn't believe. So that's the Passover. That's the Passover. It says Luke 23 and 1, it says, The whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding them to give tribute to Caesar, and saying, He himself is Christ the King. They had a threefold indictment against Christ. Now this is when reading your Bible comes into play. Perverting the nation, he did not. He talked in the truth. Forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, they knew very well they were lying because they were there and asking the question. He said, Get render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but unto God's that which is his. They were lying. People, I want to tell you a secret this morning. Don't, don't let this get out of our little group here. There's people out there to lie to you. Don't let that get out. No. You keep that under your hat. There's people in this world that would lie to you to promote themselves. Isn't that something? It's hard. It's a tough one. I know you're thinking, who would that be? But I'm telling you, there are people out there who would lie to you. Folks, I'm going to tell you another little, little dirtier secret. There are people in the church that would do it too. Isn't that dirty? And then Pilate says in John 18 33, it says, Pilate entered to the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou king of the Jews? Are you? Is that, is that what they're saying? He said. Now remember, they wouldn't come in the hall and defile themselves, so Pilate has a private audience with Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid as a Jew to cross that threshold. He went in with him. Isn't that something? <laughs> Jesus said, I'll not be defiled going into the Gentiles' court. It bothered me a bit. He went in there. He didn't feel it, but he'd already had his Passover, by the way. Did you notice that? At last supper with his disciples, he'd already celebrated the Passover. He is the Passover. You know what? 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The spotless lamb that was held, that is plenty for every house, that was killed because. John 18 and 34, the Bible says, Jesus answered him. He asked the question, Art thou king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Say thou this thing of thyself, or just uh, others tell it to thee. He said, why are you asking me? Is that from you or from someone else? 
I used to read the Bible very different than I read it now. I used to read the Bible very different than I read it now. I think that Jesus knew in this man's heart there were some questions. God doesn't give smart answers, and, and uh, I believe in this man's heart there was. This man was a, uh, by the way, he was a scholar. He was a philosophical and religious student, if you read the life of Pilate. I think Jesus knew he had, he had a kind of a little secret desire to know the truth himself. And Jesus said, Did you, are you asking this or is it from someone else you're asking? You notice how he talks to me? Sometimes I'm getting ready to preach a sermon. I'm laying in bed at night, 2 a.m., and the Lord says to me, are you going to preach what somebody else said or what I told you? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. But I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate therefore said unto him, Thou art a king then. And Jesus said, Listen very carefully. Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Who's he speaking to? He said, Who, who's asking the question? And Pilate said, I'm not a Jew. He said, I'm, I'm asking if you were a Jew, I'm asking who asked the question. And he said, everyone. That is of the truth. No, I believe this about Pilate. I believe he, he, I believe he was standing before Christ and in his arrogancy and, and uh, you know, he was a learned man. Got to be careful with learned men. He was a learned man and I believe he thought this is one of those other dreamers. They've come and gone. He thinks he's discovered the undiscoverable. He believes he knows what can't be known because philosophy will tell you that. The end of a philosophical debate is no one can actually know. I have my philosophy and you have yours. This is my philosophical panorama. But all, this, all the philosophy I have studied all come down to one thing is this, but you can't really know. And so here's this man who asked Jesus, and he says, my king is not of this world. He said, then you're saying you're a king. They're going to kill this poor, deceived soul for making this crazy claim that he's a king. And his kingdom's not even from here. He has an exclusive possession of truth that no one else has. What a, what a dreamer. That's my opinion. Because Father said to him in verse 38, what is truth? What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out. He said that and went out. And said, I find no fault in him. He didn't, he didn't stay for the answer. And Jesus isn't going to chase you down and talk to you. So what do we know about that? What do we know about that question? The real question is, 
who is truth, isn't it? Then what is truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. I am truth. He stood right beside honest truth and asked, what is truth? Didn't wait for the answer. He left immediately and went out because he was done with the, with the interview. He felt so sorry for this delusional dreamer calling himself a king, having discovered the undiscoverable. One more of those. And just now he has a following of delusional people. And so he goes out and says, I find no fault in him, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you a king of the Jews? Then cried they all, again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. That's from John 18. From Luke in 23, it says in the 25th verse that, and he released unto him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Religion 101. That's religion. I haven't had a lot of good conversation in religious uh, meetings, to be honest with you. Haven't. They've laughed at me and grinned at me and rolled their eyes and I don't go I don't go to many, I don't go to any anymore, but if I can help it. I found out as a boy. God hates that stuff. He hates it. Am I willing to walk into a room full of preachers and administration of the church and say, why don't we just do what the scripture says? Yes, I'm willing to do that. Are they willing to bring me in and suffer me? No, not often. And so I close this morning because, frankly, there's no reason to go farther. That's enough knowledge for today in my mind that these people were religious people, deceived, arrogant, destructive, they had God in their room with them, and they just couldn't stand it. Did you know that how most churches are? We have an agenda here. These are churches who have we, they have agendas, and Christ is not welcomed into so many of them. Frankly, he's not on the bulletin roster. These churches pass out a bulletin before church. We don't have one because I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> We don't have one. I don't know how it's going to go and confuse people if we try to have a bulletin here because it's not what we do. But I've been to many when I was younger. Don, would you come? And I got to where I'd say, why? Why do you want me there? And they just laughed in my face. If they could know how little I care about that, it might shock them. I'll give you a little secret again before I go. Your opinion doesn't matter to me very much. And my opinion doesn't matter to me very much. God's does. God's does. A preacher told me not long ago that this here, this month right here, shouldn't be in the pulpit. Not dressed properly. Huh. 
<laughs> not dressed. I'm not dressed. I don't dress properly to be in the pulpit. He said, I'm a, a scandalous to the, to the throne in, in that dress. <laughs> Can I tell you this this morning? If you're worried more about what someone has on and what their heart has contained in it, you got a problem. I'm clean this morning. I got up and cleaned my outer self pretty good. I did, I did, I got ready to meet the public the best I could, but it's the inside of me y'all be worried about. And that's what I care about you. It's the inside of us. Now, how is it with us this morning? We look at this thing and we see the religious leaders killing Christ because Frankly, he was better than them. He was taking away their business. They were praying over people that died the next day. Christ was raising them up. They forgot they were sick. That made him look bad. He said, you don't owe me nothing. You don't owe me anything. I didn't have, oh, here's a bunch of money. I didn't ask for money. I just said, you're well, go home. You're, that's what I'm here for. Made him look bad. Do we really believe this morning as a group that they, the real question is, uh, who is truth instead of what is truth? There are so many in this world conflicting voices. And today, more than ever, I believe. Oh, yeah. So much media, so much information, quote, unquote. And can I tell you this? From what I see, most of us misinformation. Absolutely. Most of us misinformation. But the discernment is so weak in our, in our world. But to you it should not be so. And to me it should not be so. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So many conflicting voices. So, uh, there's so many out there who claim to know now. I'm, I'm warning you one more time. Those devices we carry and we set in front of at home, the, the, the person most ignorant on the topic and the person the most knowing have the same voice. They have the same amount of clout an unknowing world. Be careful what sermons you hear. Be careful how you hear me. Be careful how you hear. We need to hear him who claims the lordship of souls. That's what I'm saying this morning. Do you, do we hear the voice of truth? And the greater question is, do we obey? Do we obey? A friend of mine had me a little tape one day, a little tape, and it was a, a new young Christian artist. I don't like many Christian artists, to be honest with you. They, they put uh, some fairly decent words to a rock and roll beat most of the time. I don't care for it that much. You can enjoy it if you want to. He had me this, I think you'll like it. I said, I doubt it, but thank you for the effort. I put it in my pocket, took it home, I threw it on my dresser and laid it for four months. And I picked it up one day and put it in. And I bought everything the man ever did since then. Named Michael Card. He wrote El Shaddai. He wrote Come to the Table. He has a song on that first tape, and it was this What will it take to keep you from Jesus? What will it take to keep you from Jesus? Well, we know, don't we? Because whatever keeps you from Jesus is what it will take. Is it public? Scorn? Is it loss of income? 
Is it loss of prestige or popularity or loss of a friendship that will keep you from Jesus? If your best friend in the world says, I can't go along with that, do you change what you believe to fit their needs or their desires? I've lost a lot of friends. But man, I've gained a lot of family. I've lost a lot of friends in my life, but I've gained a lot of family. This stuff is not easy to hear. No. And I see you. I see your eyeballs going around, your brain. I hear some of you. I can hear your thinking saying this. Oh, I messed up, or I didn't do what I should have done, or I didn't know those things. I hear that, and I see it in your eyes. But this is a brand new day. Today is the first day of the month. Today's a new beginning. Today's when we can say to the Lord, I didn't know it, forgive me, and from now on, I'm going to do what your word says. Today, start today. He is the truth. And obedience to the truth is promised blessing, and not so much for here, although it does come here, it's forever, in eternity. He said, I'll bless you richly. One place the Bible says, and this is my last statement today, I'll bless you that the world will look at you in wonder. You obey me and abide in me and seek me with all your heart. And I'll bless you where the world will look at you in wonder. That word is amazement. It's marveling. It's all kinds of things when you look it up. The world will marvel and say, look at that person. Nobody can do that. And the answer is, no human can do it, but God can. Isn't that a way to live? So people can see how good God is. That's the real testimony. Obedience, the reason for it is, it brings a testimony to Jesus Christ. Obedience allows him to open the, the treasures of heaven and bless us. And we just simply say this. He's good. Oh, he's good. You want some of it? I'll share it with you. My house is too little. Do we obey? Father, we thank you again now. Thank you for loving us, keeping us, teaching us. Ask that you would just, by your spirit, give us the strength and the privilege of honor to worship properly at your feet. Help us to share you, the Lamb. Too big for our home. How much can we give away? And your word tells us it's an endless supply and we'll have plenty. Lord, help us believe that now in Jesus' name. Amen.